Chapters fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen of the Mistress of Shenston by Florence Barclay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fifteen. Where is Lady Ingleby? When Jim Harith left the train on the following Tuesday afternoon, he looked eagerly up and down the platform, hoping to see Myra. True, they had particularly arranged not to meet until after his interview with Lady Ingleby but myra was so charmingly inconsequent and impulsive in her actions it would be quite like her to reverse the whole plan they had made and if her desire to see him in any measure resembled his huge hunger for a sight of her he could easily understand such a reversal however myra was not there and with a heavy sense of unreasonable disappointment jim earth chucked his ticket to a waiting porter passed through the little station and found a smart turnout with tandem ponies waiting outside the groom at the leader's head touched his hat for shenston park sir yes said jim earth and climbed in the groom touched his hat again her ladyship said sir that perhaps you might like to drive the ponies yourself sir no thank you said jim earth shortly i never drive other people's ponies the groom's comprehending grin was immediately suppressed he touched his hat again gathered up the reins mounted the driver's seat and the perfectly matched ponies swung at once into a fast trot jim earth a connoisseur in horseflesh eyed them with approval they flew along the narrow surrey lanes between masses of wild roses and clematis the villagers were working in the hayfields shouting gaily to one another as they tossed the hay it was a matchless june day in a perfect english summer jim earth's disappointment at myra's non-appearance was lifting rapidly in the enjoyment of the drive after all it was best to adhere to plans once made and every step of these jolly little tapping hoofs was bringing him nearer to the lodge perhaps she would be at the window he had particularly told her not to be these ponies have been well handled he remarked approvingly to the groom as they flew round a bend yes sir said the groom with the inevitable movement towards his hat whip and hand going up together her ladyship always drives them herself sir fine whip her ladyship sir this item of information surprised jim earth judging by lord ingleby's age and appearance he had expected to find lady ingleby a sedate and stately matron of sixty it was somewhat surprising to hear of her as a fine whip however he had no time to weigh the matter further passing an ivy-clad church on the village green they swung through massive iron gates of a very fine design and entered the stately avenue of shenston park to the left in a group of trees stood a pretty little gabled house what house is that asked jim earth quickly the lodge sir who lives there mrs o'mara sir has mrs o'mara returned i don't know sir she was up at the house with her ladyship this morning then she has returned said jim earth the groom looked perplexed but made no comment jim earth turned in his seat and looked back at the lodge it was a far smaller house than he had expected this fact did not seem to depress him he smiled to himself as at some thought which gave him amusement and pleasure while he still looked back a side door opened a neatly dressed woman in black apparently a superior lady's maid appeared on the doorstep shook out a white tablecloth and re-entered the house they flew up on the avenue jim earth noting every tree with appreciation and pleasure the fine old house came into view and a moment later they drew up at the entrance good driving remarked jim earth approvingly as he tipped the little groom 
then he turned to find the great doors already standing wide and a stately butler with immense black eyebrows waiting to receive him will you come to her ladyship's sitting-room sir said the butler and led the way jim earth entered a charmingly appointed room and looked around it was empty kindly wait here sir while i acquaint her ladyship with your arrival said the pompous person with the eyebrows and went out noiselessly closing the door behind him left alone jim earth commenced taking rapid note of the room hoping to gain therefrom some ideas as to the taste and character of its possessor but almost immediately his attention was arrested by a life-size portrait of lord ingleby hanging above the mantelpiece jim earth walked over to the hearth-rug and stood long looking with silent intentness at the picture excellent he said to himself at last extraordinarily clever that chap shall paint myra if i can lay hands on him what a jolly little dog and what devotion mutual and absorbing i suppose that is peter queer to think that i should have been the last to hear him calling peter i wonder whether lady ingleby liked peter if not i doubt if she would have had much of a look-in if any one went to the wall it certainly wasn't peter he was still absorbed in the picture when the butler returned with a long message solemnly delivered her ladyship is out on the ground sir as it is so warm in the house sir her ladyship requests that you come to her in the grounds if you will allow me sir i will show you the way jim earth restrained an inclination to say buck up and followed the butler along the corridor down a wide staircase to a lower hall they stepped out on to a terrace running the full length of the house below it an old-fashioned garden with box borders bright flower-beds a fountain in the centre beyond this a smooth lawn sloping down to a beautiful lake which sparkled and gleamed in the afternoon sunshine on this lawn well to the right half-way between the house and the water stood a group of beeches beneath their spreading boughs in the cool inviting shadow were some garden chairs jim earth could just discern in one of these the white gown of a woman holding a scarlet parasol the butler indicated this clump of trees her ladyship said sir that she would await you under the beeches he returned to the house and jim earth was left to make his way alone to lady ingleby guided by the gleam among the trees of her brilliant parasol even at that moment it gave him pleasure to find lady ingleby's taste in sunshades resembling myra's he stood for a minute on the terrace taking in the matchless beauty of the place then his face grew sad and stern what a home to leave he said and to leave it never to return he still wore a look of sadness as he descended the steps leading to the flower garden made his way along the narrow gravel path then stepped on to the soft turf of the lawn and walked towards the clump of beeches jim earth tall and soldierly broad-shouldered and erect might have made an excellent impression upon lady ingleby had she watched his coming but she kept her parasol between herself and her approaching guest in fact he drew quite near near enough to distinguish the ripples of soft lace about her feet the long graceful sweep of her gown and still she seemed unconscious of his close proximity he passed beneath the beeches and stood before her and even then the parasol concealed her face but jim earth was never at a loss when sure of his ground lady ingleby he said with grave formality i was told to then the parasol was flung aside and he found himself looking down into the lovely laughing eyes of myra 
to see jim eyre's face change from its look of formal gravity to one of rapturous delight was to myra well worth the long effort of sitting immovable he flung himself down before her with boyish abandon and clasped both herself and her chair in his long arms oh you darling he said bending his face over hers while his blue eyes danced with delight oh myra what centuries since yesterday how i have longed for you i almost hoped you would after all have come to the station how i have grudged wasting all this time in coming to call on old lady ingleby myra has it seemed long to you do you realize my dear girl that it can't go on any longer that we cannot possibly live through another twenty-four hours of separation but oh you tease there was i ramping with impatience at every wasted moment and here were you sitting under this tree hiding your face and pretending to be lady ingleby the astonished and astonishing old party in the eyebrows certainly pointed you out as lady ingleby when he started me off on my pilgrimage i say how lovely you look what billowy softness it wouldn't do for cliff climbing but it's a one for sitting on lawns i can't help it i must jim said myra laughing and pushing him away what has come to you my dearest old boy you will really have to behave we are not in the honeysuckle arbor the astonishing old party in the eyebrows is most likely observing us from a window and will have good cause to look astonished if he sees you carrying on in such a manner jim how nice you look in your town clothes i always like a grey frock coat stand up and let me see oh look at the green of the turf on those immaculate knees what a pity did you don all this finery for me of course not silly said jim earth rubbing his knees vigorously when i haul you up cliffs i wear old norfolk coats and when i duck you in the sea i wear flannels i consider this the correct attire in which to pay a formal call on lady ingleby and now before she has had a chance of being duly impressed by it i have spoilt my knees hopelessly worshipping at your shrine where is lady ingleby why doesn't she keep her appointments jim said myra looking up at him with eyes full of unspeakable love yet dancing with excitement and delight jim do you admire this place this place cried jim stepping back a pace so as to command a good view of the lake and woods beyond it is absolutely perfect we have nothing like this in scotland you can't beat for all-round beauty a real old mellow lived-in english country seat especially when you get a twenty-acre lake with islands and swans all complete and i suppose the woods beyond as far as one can see belong to the ingleby's or rather to lady ingleby what a pity there is no sun jim said myra i have so looked forward to showing you my home he stepped close to her at once then show it to me dear he said i would rather be alone with you in your own little home i saw it as we drove up then waiting about in this vast expanse of beauty for lady ingleby jim said myra do you remember a little tune i often hummed down in cornwall and when you asked me what it was i said you should hear the words some day jim looked puzzled really dear you hummed so many little tunes oh i know said myra and i have not much ear but this was very special i want to sing it to you now listen 
and looking up at him her soft eyes full of love myra sang with slight alterations of her own the last verse of the old scotch ballad hunting tower blair in athol's mine jamie fair dunkeld is mine laddie st johnston's bower and hunting tower and all that's mine is thine laddie very pretty said jim but you've mixed it my dear jamie bestowed all his possessions on the lassie you sang it the wrong way round no no cried myra eagerly there is no wrong way round providing they both love it does not really matter which gives the one who happens to possess bestows if you were a cowboy jim and you loved a woman with lands and houses in taking her you would take all that was hers i guess i'd take her out to my ranch and teach her to milk cows laughed jim Earth. then turning about under the tree and looking in all directions but seriously myra where is lady ingleby she should keep her appointments we cannot waste our whole afternoon waiting here i want my girl and i want her in her own little home alone cannot we find lady ingleby then myra rose radiant and came and stood before him the sunbeams shone through the beech leaves and danced in her grey eyes she had never looked more perfect in her sweet loveliness the man took it all in and the glory of possession lighted his handsome face she came and stood before him laying her hands upon his breast he wrapped his arms lightly about her he saw she had something to say and he waited jim said myra jim dearest there is just one name i want to bear more than any other there is just one thing i long to be then i shall be content i want to have the right to be called mrs jim Earth. i want more than all else beside to be your wife but until i am that and may it be very soon until you make me mrs jim Earth, dearest i am lady ingleby sixteen under the beeches at shenston jim Earth's arms fell slowly to his sides he still looked into those happy loving eyes but the joy in his own died out leaving them merely cold blue steel his face slowly whitened hardened froze into lines of silent misery then he moved back a step and myra's hands fell from him you lady ingleby he said myra gazed at him in unspeakable dismay jim she cried jim dearest why should you mind it so much she moved forward and tried to take his hand don't touch me he said sharply then you myra you lord ingleby's widow the furious misery of his voice stung myra why should he resent the noble name she bore the high rank which was hers even if it placed her socially far above him had she not just expressed her readiness her longing to resign all for him had not her love already placed him on the topmost pinnacle of her regard was it generous was it worthy of jim Earth to take her disclosure thus she moved towards the chairs with gentle dignity let us sit down jim and talk it over she said quietly i do not think you need find it so overwhelming a matter as you seem to imagine let me tell you all about it or rather suppose you ask me any questions you like jim Earth sat blindly down upon the chair farthest from her put his elbows on his knees and sank his face into his hands without any comment myra rose 
moved her chair close enough to enable her to lay her hand upon his arm should she wish to do so sat down again and waited in silence jim Ayrth had but one question to ask he asked it without lifting his head who is mrs o'mara she is the widow of sergeant o'mara who fell at targay we both lost our husbands in that disaster jim she had been for many years my maid attendant when she married the sergeant a fine soldier whom michael held in high esteem i wished still to keep her near me michael had given me the lodge to do with as i pleased i put them into it she lives there still oh jim dearest try to realize that i have not said one word to you which was not completely truthful let me explain how i came to be in cornwall under her name instead of my own if i put my hand in yours jim i could tell you more easily no very well never mind after i received the telegram last november telling me of my husband's death i had a very bad nervous breakdown i do not think it was caused so much by my loss as by a prolonged mental strain which had preceded it just as i had moved to town and was getting better full details arrived and i had to be told that it had been an accident you know all about the question as to whether i should hear the name or not you also know my decision the worry of this threw me back what you said in the arbour was perfectly true i am a woman jim often a weak one and i was very much alone i decided rightly in a supreme moment possibly you know who it was who graciously undertook to bring me the news from the war office but afterwards i began to wonder i allowed myself to guess men from the front came home my surmising circled ceaselessly around two dear fellows of whom i was really fond at last i felt convinced i knew by intangible yet unmistakable signs which was he who had done it i grew quite sure and then i hardly know how to tell you jim of all impossible horrors the man who had killed michael wanted to marry me oh don't groan darling you make me so unhappy but i do not wonder you find it difficult to believe he cared very much poor boy and i suppose he thought that as i should remain in ignorance the fact need not matter it seems hard to understand but a man in love sometimes loses all sense of proportion at least so i heard some one say or words to that effect i did not allow it ever to reach the point of an actual proposal but i felt i must flee away there were others and it was terrible to me i loved none of them and i had made up my mind never to marry again unless i found my ideal oh jim she laid her hand upon his knee it might have been a falling leaf for all the sign he gave she left it there and went on speaking people gossiped society papers contained constant trying paragraphs even my widow's weeds were sketched and copied my nerves grew worse life seemed unendurable at last i consulted a great specialist who is also a trusted friend he ordered me a rest cure not to be shut up within four walls with my own worries but to go right away alone to leave my own identity and all appertaining thereto completely behind to go to a place where i had never been where i knew no one and should not be known to live in the open air fare simply rise early retire early but above all as he quaintly said leave lady ingleby behind i followed his advice to the letter he is not a man one can disobey 
i did not like the idea of taking a fictitious name so i decided to be mrs o'mara and naturally entered her address in the visitor's book as well as her name on that evening of arrival you were quite right jim i felt just a happy child entering a new world of beauty and delight all holiday and rest and then i saw you and oh my beloved i think almost from the first moment my soul flew to you as to its unquestioned mate your vitality became my source of vigour your strength filled and upheld everything in me which had been weak and faltering i owed you much before we had really spoken afterwards i owed you life itself and love and all all jim myra paused silently controlling her emotion then bending forward laid her lips upon the roughness of his hair it might have been the stirring of the breeze for all the sign he made when i found at first that you had come from the war when i realized that you must have known michael i praised the doctor's wisdom in making me drop my own name also the murgatroyds would have known it immediately and i should have had no peace as it was miss murgatroyd occasionally held forth in the sitting-room concerning poor dear lady ingleby whom she gave us to understand she knew intimately and then oh jim when i came to know my cosmopolitan cowboy when he told me he hated titles and all that appertained to them then indeed i blessed the moment when i had writ myself down plain mrs o'mara and i resolved not to tell him of my title until he loved me enough not to mind it or wanted me enough to change me at once from lady ingleby of shenston park into plain mrs jim Ayrth of anywhere he chooses to take me now you will understand why i felt i could not marry you validly in cornwall and i wanted was it selfish i wanted the joy of revealing my own identity when i had you at last in my own beautiful home oh my dear my dear cannot our love stand the test of so light a thing as this she ceased speaking and waited she was sure of her victory but it seemed strange in dealing with so fine a nature as that of the man she loved that she should have had to fight so hard over what appeared to her a paltry matter but she knew false pride often rose gigantic about the smallest things the very unworthiness of the cause seeming to add to the unreasonable growth of its dimensions she was deeply hurt but she was a woman and she loved him she waited patiently to see his love for her arise victorious over unworthy pride at last jim Earth stood up i cannot face it yet he said slowly i must be alone i ought to have known from the very first that you were are lady ingleby i am very sorry that you should have to suffer for that which is no fault of your own i must go now in twenty-four hours i will come back to talk it over he turned without another word without a touch without a look he swung round on his heel and walked away across the lawn myra's dismayed eyes could scarcely follow him he mounted the terrace passed into the house a door closed jim Earth was gone seventeen surely you knew myra ingleby rose and wended her way slowly towards the house a stranger meeting her would probably have noticed nothing amiss with the tall graceful woman whose pallor might have well been due to the unusual warmth of the day but the heart within her was dying her joy had received a mortal wound 
the man she adored with a love which had placed him at the highest was slowly slipping from his pedestal and her hands were powerless to keep him there a woman may drag her own pride in the dust and survive the process but when the man she loves falls then indeed her heart dies within her she had loved to call jim eyre the cowboy she knew him to be avowedly cosmopolitan but was he also a slave to vulgar pride being plain jim Earth himself did he grudge noble birth and ancient lineage to those to whom they rightfully belonged professing to scorn titles did he really set upon them so exaggerated a value that he would turn from the woman he was about to wed merely because she owned a title while he had none myra entering the house passed to her sitting-room green awnings shaded the windows the fireplace was banked with ferns and lilies bowls of roses stood about while here and there pots of growing freesias poured their delicate fragrance around myra crossed to the hearth-rug and stood gazing up at the picture of lord ingleby the gentle refinement of the scholarly face seemed accentuated by the dim light lady ingleby dwelt in memory upon the consistent courtesy of the dead man's manner his unfailing friendliness and equability to all courteous to men of higher rank considerate to those of lower genial to rich and poor alike oh michael she whispered have i been unfaithful have i forgotten how good you were but still her heart died within her the man who had stalked across the lawn leaving her without a touch or look held it in the hollow of his hand a dog-cart clattered up to the portico men's voices sounded in the hall tramping feet hurried along the corridor then billy's excited young voice cried may we come in followed by ronnie's deeper tones if we shall not be in the way the next moment she was grasping a hand of each you dear boys she said i have never been more glad to see you do sit down or have you come to play tennis we have come to see you dear queen said billy we are staying at overdean the duchess had your letter she told us the great news also that you were returning yesterday so we came over to-to to congratulate said ronald ingram and he said it heartily and bravely thank you said myra smiling at them but her sweet voice was tremulous these first congratulations coming just now were almost more than she could bear then with characteristic simplicity and straightforwardness she told these old friends the truth you dear boys it is quite sweet of you to come over and an hour ago you would have found me radiant there cannot have been a happier woman in the whole world than i but you know i met him and we became engaged while i was doing my very original rescuer which consisted chiefly in being mrs o'mara to all intents and purposes instead of myself this afternoon he knows for the first time that i am lady ingleby of shenston and boys the shock has been too much for him he is such a splendid man but a dear delightful cowboy sort of person he has lived a great deal abroad and been everything you can imagine that bestrides a horse and does brave things he finished up at your horrid little war and got fever at targay you must have known him he calls it a muddle on the frontier and now he is writing a book about it and about other muddles and how to avoid them but he has a quite eccentric dislike to titles and big properties so he has shied really badly at mine he has gone off to face it out alone hence you find me sad instead of gay billy looked at ronnie telegraphing is it it must be 
shall we tell her ronnie telegraphed back it is it can be no other you tell her lady ingleby became aware of these cross currents what is it boys she said dear queen cried billy with hardly suppressed excitement may we ask the cowboy person's name jim Earth, replied lady ingleby a sudden rush of colour flooding her pale cheeks in that case said billy he is the chap we met tearing along to the railway station as if all the furies were loose at his heels he looked neither to the right nor to the left nor for that matter in front of him and our dog-cart had to take to the path so he did not see two old comrades nor did he hear their hail but he cannot possibly have been fleeing from your title dear lady and hardly from your property seeing that his own title is about the oldest known in scottish history while mile after mile of moor and stream and forest belong to him surely you knew that the fellow who called himself jim Earth went out ranching in the west and still keeps it as his nom de plume is when at home james earl of Earth and monteith and a few other names i have forgotten the finest old title in scotland End of chapters 15 through 17